Welcome to the Boost Your Boutique Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Benson, corporate merchant, turned boutique owner, turned consultant. I want you to start, grow, and scale your boutique business right here with me. If you're ready to master your mindset, margins, and marketing, you're in the right place. Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of the Boost Your Boutique Podcast. I'm Emily Benson, your host and best friend on this journey through boutique land. Today, we're talking about three concepts slash words that are taking you out of the boutique game. First and foremost is the word affordable. This kills me. Like, affordable is a word that can mean a lot of things. And I think that some of you are using it to say inexpensive, or you think you need to say it to get more sales or attract customers who are going to buy. And I worry that you use the word affordable and you attract customers who don't want to pay anything. Like you're attracting customers who want discounts or who are kind of cheap or who don't have money. That's a problem. You know, here's the deal is that in boutique land, the average retail on something is generally between $30 and $55. The sweet spot is somewhere between $40 and $45. Now, again, you could have a more premium boutique where you're running, you know, most things between $40 and $80. Your sweet spot is somewhere around $68 to $75, something like that. Or you could have you know, an even more premium boutique where everything is $70 to $150 and your sweet spot is somewhere around $100, $109. Again, like it just depends on who you are, what you're selling, where you're selling it, who your ideal customer is. There is customers for all of those segments. And let me tell you, there isn't more customers for one segment than there is another. Honestly, I am the type of person where if you tell me like, oh, that shirt is $79 and I'm obsessed with it, I'll buy it. You know, there is a matter of quantity over quality. And I think a lot of people that start boutiques think, oh, I have to sell, you know, everything for between $20 and $30. Well, guess what? You're going to have to sell a lot of that inventory to make the money that you want to make. I was in a Facebook group the other day and someone asked oh, what's the average that you make with your mobile boutique at an event? And I was like, oh, this should be interesting. So I like looked to see what people responded. And no one was being specific. Like people were like, I try to make 10 times my event cost, you know, and one person was like, oh, it depends on where you like, everyone's being like really dicey about the answer. And I was just like, well, I said that I would (laughs) consider it fine if I made $600 at an event. But my goal was always more than that. But $600 was like my deepest, darkest minimum where I was like, well, all right, I guess I made some money. Like for two hours, I made like $150 an hour profit. That's not terrible. Okay. But I will tell you, I did events where I did $4,500 in like five hours, you know, (laughs) like that wasn't something that was hard. Why? Well, number one, I was in the right place. Number two, I had an awesome assortment. And number three, I priced things accurately according to where I was and what I was selling. So like my average out the door was $45 to $50 for an item. And my average like 
sale, you know, transaction was somewhere around $70 to $80. So it didn't take me long to get to two grand, three grand, you know, especially on a busy day. So I think like you've got to really understand that affordable can mean a lot of different things. And if you're saying, okay, affordable means cheap or, you know, not expensive, then you're basically making the decision to attract a customer who wants something that's affordable, which means they probably don't have a lot of money. And that's not really fun. That's not a customer I would want to deal with. And, you know, here's the thing. If you're at the point where you're, you have a ton of volume and you're like selling through a lot of stuff and you feel like, all right, I can charge a little bit less for things. That's fine. But I don't know. I just think that like you're taking yourself out. I also think there's a matter of like you deciding what's affordable for other people. Like who made you the person who says what's affordable? <laughs> like for me, afford an affordable flight is like under $500. For someone else, they're like affordable is a $39 Frontier Airlines flight. You know what I mean? Because we have different requirements. I'm six foot one. My husband's six foot seven. He can't fly on any plane. He can't sit in any seat, you know? And so what have we had to do? We've had to like realize like, okay, when can we book? Where do we, what airlines can we fly? There's some airlines we literally can't fly because it doesn't matter the price. Like it's just the seat's not comfortable and it doesn't work. So I think we've got to stop deciding what's affordable for other people just because we think it's affordable for ourselves. So this is a money mindset issue. And I think that for a lot of people, I would just steer clear from the word affordable. You know, what you're really saying is like, this is a great price value relationship. The price is great for the value of the item, which honestly, most boutique clothes and jewelry and accessories are a great value for the price, even at a $50 price point, even at a $60 price point. So I just want you to be careful using that word. I think that it can sometimes do more harm than it actually does good. All right, the second concept or word that's taking you out of your boutique is saturation. Now, what I want to know if you're thinking, oh, this is a saturated market or, oh, this is a saturated style. Do you really know that? Like, let's go back to business school when we talk about actual saturation of a market. Like, have you done market research on boutiques in your area and you know that, you know, 45% of the boutiques sell the same things that you do. Like, like this is the thing is that it's conceptual and it's sort of like numbers. Like, do you really have the numbers to back that up? Like, I don't think many people do. They just think, oh, it's oversaturated or undersaturated. Now, do I think that like, if you are one boutique in a town that like needs a boutique because you have nothing else around that it's an undersaturated market and we just know it blatantly? Yeah, totally. But I do feel like a lot of people use this word to take themselves out and say like, well, I'm not doing well in my online boutique because the online boutique world is saturated. No. Like, are there quite a few online boutiques? Yeah. But are there quite a few online boutiques that go out of business every day? Yeah. <laughs> like, I will tell you guys, sometimes I click on emails or posts that I see from like, you know, six months ago. And like, there's no website that exists anymore. Like someone hasn't posted for six months. And I'm like, well, they gave up. You know, I don't know why they gave up. But here's what I'll tell you is there's enough boutiques opening and enough boutiques going out of business that 
I highly, highly doubt that based on the number of humans on this planet right now that the boutique world would ever be oversaturated because there's always going to be boutiques closing. Every spring, there's like a mass exodus of like people selling their mobile boutiques for whatever reason. You know, some people do move on to like go in a brick and mortar and that's awesome too. But I'm going to be honest, I've been in this boutique world since 2011. I've seen everyone come and go. There's very few people that like started when I did that are still in business, you know? So don't decide that the market's oversaturated or undersaturated just based on your feeling. Because a lot of times the thoughts that we think aren't real. The thoughts that we think are based in fear. They're based in not knowing what the actual statistics are, right? And listen, at the end of the day, like even if there are a lot of boutiques and and you feel strongly about that, like you would argue that with me, then I would argue with you that this is a great opportunity for you to figure out how to be very opinionated in your space, to have a very strong sense of style, to have a very clear voice that tells a very solid message to your ideal customer, okay? If you think something's oversaturated, it's because you have not niched down enough to who your people are, how they talk, what they say, what they love, what they think, period. I mean, I honestly, like, there's a million business coaches out there, but what did I do after a couple months? I realized, like, you know what? I should niche down because as much as I want to help creative people and I want to help spiritual people, I also know that I'm not necessarily ready for that because I don't have a big enough business, really. I need to niche down. Okay, well, what do I know the best? I know retail. It's in my blood. Like, I know retail. I've been doing it since I was 21 years old. And I won't tell you how old I am, but it's, it's enough time to like where I have so many reps in that this is what I'm really good at. I'm really good at helping retailers. I'm really good at helping boutique owners. This is what I'm good at. So by niching down, I've actually been able to grow my audience. So where I used to just have people who only sold fashion and clothing, I now have people in my tribe who sell home decor, crystals, sage, like children's clothes, horse horse saddles, you know, like there, you guys are all here. You're all hanging out. And at the end of the day, retail is retail is retail. So we all can fit in this one. Eventually I may zoom out even more and help people build personal brands, help people publish books like I have, right? Like there's obviously things I can teach people. I do even have some people that have switched from having a boutique to now wanting to do some form of coaching. And it's been awesome because I'm like, oh, you want to start a podcast? Great. Here's how to do it. And that's the, that's the thing, guys, is that if you think something's oversaturated, I want you to think how much more niche down can you get? How much more specific can you get? How much more clear with your message can you get to cut through whatever noise you think you're hearing? Or is it truly a mindset issue that you're just scared and you're taking yourself out of the game before you're even like in the game, before you've even been in for longer than a couple months. You know, most often I hear it from people that have been in in their boutique business for less than six months. Like, well, I think it's not working because it's oversaturated. No, it's not working because you haven't been specific enough. You haven't, you don't have the right product assortment. Your pricing is way off. You don't have a clear voice, yada, yada. Okay. So let's stop saying things are saturated, not serving us. All right, last but not least, and actually I think probably the most important, is the word success. Obviously, it's like the name of my business, Stylish and Successful. 
And so it gets floated around a lot, this idea of success. It came up a lot at my retailer retreat a couple weeks ago. This idea of what is success, what does that look like? Is that a money destination? Is that a time situation? Is that, you know, like, what does that mean? What does success mean? And this is what I think, again, I think it takes us out because, because of comparison, we think, oh, well, that person's really successful and I'm not, or I'm not successful until X, Y, and Z. Like, I want you to figure out what are the milestones of success as you grow your business. So maybe there's a milestone in the first year you want to hit or the first six months, then the next year, then the year and a half, then two years. Because here's what happens is that as high achieving people, we get very caught up in the idea that we have to be successful now, or we get very crazy into the idea of like, we're never going to be successful until we hit this milestone that's like massive and huge. And even when we hit that milestone, because I've seen this happen, we still aren't happy with where we are. So at the end of the day, for me, a lot of what I base my success on is how many people I've helped, is how content I feel, how calm I feel, and how proud I am of the work that I'm doing. I really try hard not to link it to money. I try hard not to link it to how many people are on my email list or how many people like you know, my Facebook page, things like that. I try really hard to just focus on success being personal growth and development situations. So am I happy? Do I feel rested? For me, a big piece of success is also, am I like happy in my marriage? If I can have a great business and still be very like happy in my, my marriage, then, and, and my husband's happy, then I'm like, boom, we're doing it. <laughs> you know, I'm like, okay, we're good. Because I do think that a lot of people's families end up suffering from growing their businesses. You know, like we get so obsessed with like, we got to do the next thing. We got to do the next thing. And we kind of forget that we actually also have to like, nurture our relationships, nurture the love in our life, you know? And so I just, I want to be really clear that for me, I don't want to teach success as being like getting to the next money level or having X amount of followers. I think it really needs to be, what do you think is success? Like, this is something that I would have you journal about if you were in a course with me. I would have you meditate about. Sit with yourself and say, what in my dream life, does success look like? You know, is it my house being paid off? Is it going to Disney World every year with my kids and turning my phone off? Like, that's a huge success. You know, what What does that really look like for you? And I want you to define that for yourself. And I, I, and I don't want you to base it on what other people are doing. Because that's the other trap that we get caught in, is we see other people... And I've heard this so many times is like, you know, I've heard, I heard a client say, you know, this woman also had a business similar to mine and we grew up in the same town and she's like wildly successful. And I always kind of wanted to like, you know, be like her. She was older than me. You know, I was always kind of like watching what she was doing. And she's like, but honestly, like recently I found out like she's really unhappy and, you know, things in her personal life are sort of like, a little bit messy. And now I'm like, wait a minute, 
you know, she said to me, she's like, I don't want that for me. I don't want my personal life, my marriage, my kids to feel like they're not, you know, my number one. Like that's always my number one. And so, you know, I think a lot of times we think other people are successful and like they're really, they could be struggling and we don't see it. Those are the people where I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to help you. Like this is where my next book, I really, I want to help people work through some of the stuff because honestly, the more successful you get, the easier it is to get caught up in your triggers, get caught up in your traumas, get re-traumatized from something that happened in the past or, you know, not clear up a block that you've had for 20 years and here it comes back again and the self-sabotage is real and boom, it takes out your business or boom, it takes out your personal life. You know, this is like, there are certain points in our life. And I think that whether you're thinking about starting a boutique or you're, you know, 20 years into having a boutique, I really truly believe that like the mindset work around, dealing with your own stuff and going within and looking at what you need to be happy, content. I won't even say happy. What do you need to be content in your life and your business? Those are the things that actually are going to help your business, help your life on the outside. So please don't look at what other people are doing because you really don't know what their situation is. I even had someone email me and say, you know, you were so right about, you know, I've said this before. We're like, don't look at other people. You don't know their story. Like someone emailed me and said, you were so right. I thought this person, the next town over was so successful. And it turns out that they literally have zero profit in their boutique and they're totally struggling and they had to remortgage their house and like, you know, all this stuff. And it's just like, wow. You know, like for me, it's like, I want you as a listener, as someone part of my tribe, I want you to consider going inward and taking some time for yourself to decide what is right for me. What is right for my business? What does success look like for me and my business? And truly, like, honestly, like I kind of want you to like stop this podcast. And even if you're driving, like the next place you get, open up the notes on your phone and start to jot down what's coming up for you. Like, what does this look like for you? Because I do think that we don't know. (laughs) And sometimes we don't know until we're like in it, until success is really happening for us. And we have some missteps or we have some money issues or we have some fights in our relationship. And then it's like, whoa, wait a minute. Like, it doesn't really matter what's happening in my business. Like, that could all you know, everything could fall apart tomorrow. Like if I don't take care of myself, I don't take care of my own stuff, my own junk in my trunk, you know? So I really want to encourage you to like figure out what success looks like for you, what in all of these holistic areas, right? With your work, with your relationships, with your kids, with your extended family, with your money, with your customers. What does this look like, this level of success? And, you know, are you going to feel content when all that stuff happens? That's the question. I think it's an ongoing conversation. I think as you reach new levels of success, new levels of making money, I do think that, you know, things shift and and they need to be reassessed. And this is the kind of stuff, you know, I work on with my mastermind. I work on with my one-on-one clients is like, what does that really look like for you? Because at the end of the day, like... You got to stay happy, (laughs) got to stay in a place of joy and a place of having fun. Because if it's not that, like we're, we're on this planet to be happy and have fun. And like, if it turns not fun and not happy, then like, 
we gotta, we got some work to do. <laughs> you know, we, we got some, some things to talk about. So anyway, I feel like I've gone on a little success tangent, but hopefully it's just kind of got you thinking about this. I do think that it's a topic that, you know, we'll continue to talk about. It's a, it's an entire chapter in my book about success and fulfillment and what that means. So it's definitely an ongoing conversation for me, even in my business. Here's to making lots of friends and making lots of money. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Boost Your Boutique podcast. If you wouldn't mind taking a second to go ahead and scroll down if you're on the Apple podcast or Spotify and leaving us a quick rating and review, we would really appreciate it. It helps more amazing boutique CEOs just like you find this podcast and this incredible free resource. Thanks again for listening and we will see you in a few weeks.